We live in an interesting area of the world. Southern California, United States in large, but Southern California is very much a melting pot, isn't it? Of all different kinds of people, all different races, all different kinds of people. We live in an area that, you know, you, you see just about every kind of ethnicity in this area. And, and with that comes a breaking down of, of barriers and, and walls. I can think of just for me growing up in, in at elementary school across the street, uh, the, I, I wasn't the only half Japanese person there. There were others and there were people of all different kinds of races and, and people. I, I know that in different parts of the United States, it's a little bit different. I have a, a cousin who's half Japanese that went to college in, in, on the East Coast at a fairly large Christian school. And there were two Asians at the school, which is far different than UCI. And, and, uh, <laughs> and she said that there was people like at lunchtime, they would be like, is it hard for you to eat our food? You know, and, and she's like, I grew up in Michigan. I, my, my dad grew up in Michigan. Like, we, like I, I eat your food, you know? And, and, and yet, when you think of the United States as a whole, we, we are a melting pot of all different kinds of people that have come to our country. But it, it's, it's different in other parts of the world. You, you go to, to places like we're gonna, where we are going to go to in Uganda, and some of the kids will run up and they just want to like feel the, the hair that's on your arms because they don't have hair on their arms and they think it's interesting or, or they want to just touch the girl's hair and see how it feels. And I've been in places in Sudan where the little kids have just screamed and run in the opposite direction because they've never seen someone that wasn't Dinka and, and, and black and, and they just run in the opposite direction because it's like the, the aliens have arrived, you know, and in their mind, it's such a, a different, different place. Um, we live in a place where they're suffering, but they're suffering that's different than maybe as far as the amount of suffering that you'd find in, in areas like where we're going in Uganda or where we're going in Myanmar. Um, the, the fact of the matter is, is that for, for us here, our kids, what they experience is um, some of the most, di- most difficult things that they've gone through could possibly be so trivial in comparison to what people go through in other parts of this world. And we find that people's appearance are different. Nationality, their wealth, um, their education, the things that they've accomplished, their social status... We find differences even amongst us in these areas. And the text that's before us is God starting a radical work that is going to go to the uttermost parts of this world. You think of the gospel beginning there in Jerusalem and going through Judea and and, and then going even to the uttermost parts of the world. couple millennials ago, you, you think of what God has done. Um, I've been to 47 different countries, and some of the areas that I've gone to are just incredibly remote, areas of China where you're in a village and 
You will never see anybody that's not Chinese there. I usually travel with a couple of white guys, and, and, uh, and so they all go to me to translate. I, I have no idea. I, you know, they, I remember one time, she, this one girl just started talking Mandarin to me, and, and I said, I don't speak the language. She goes, you don't speak Mandarin? And I said, no. She said, you, you speak Japanese? I said, no. What do you speak? I said, I, I speak English and a little bit of Spanish. And she said, oh, you banana. I said, what? You banana. I said, what? Did you say I'm a banana? She said, yes, you are white or yellow on the outside, but white on the inside, you know. And <laughs> and that was the first time I had ever heard that. And... and it made sense. I, uh, but the Christians that are in places like that where they just a passion for Christ in a remote part of China or a, a place like Vietnam where you go into the highlands of these areas where it is just remote and there are believers that would give their lives for the sake of the gospel. Places like Pakistan where it's just so brutal to be a Christian and there's people that would give their lives for the sake of the gospel. Romania, where there's Christians that suffered so much under Ceausescu, and, and yet they, they are there, and the church is strong, and they would give their lives for the sake of the gospel. You could go to all different regions of the world, and you will find people that would give their lives for the sake of the gospel. The, the, the gospel has gone forth in the most incredible way from Jerusalem to Judea to even the uttermost parts of the world, and yet there continue to be unreached people groups around the world. And some of those people groups are where we'll be going this summer. But we see God work. We see the process of how this takes place and how God changes hearts. If, if we amongst a congregation in, in a melting pot like Southern California have um, differences of, of appearance and nationality and social status and all of these things to where it's uncomfortable sometimes to go outside of of the people that we just feel comfortable hanging out with or feel comfortable talking with, how much more so in Israel? In Israel, you have the Jews in, in, in which at this particular time, they would not associate with Gentiles. They would never eat with Gentiles. They would be totally unclean if they were ever around Gentiles. And so they did not spend time with one another. They had separated themselves so much to, to, to be the, their people group amongst themselves and not having um, relationships with other people. And God's going to do something to change that radically in Acts chapter 10. And so let's go to our text. Acts chapter 10, verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all, all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. So the first couple verses there tell us something about what's taking place here. There's this, this man in Caesarea named Cornelius. He's a centurion, so he's, he oversees a, a hundred different troops there of the Italian regiment. And so within the Roman Empire, this regiment came and, and it was known as the Italian regiment. It tells us he's a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously 
and pray to God always, and yet he is not a believer. He, he is one in, in, in whom God had, had, had been working in his heart. He was amongst these that, that were known as God-fearers in the sense that they embraced Jewish religion. They believed in the God of the Bible, and yet they had not been in a place of, of being circumcised or, or being under the sacrifices that were taking place there or weren't allowed to go within the temple or any of those kind of things. But, but they knew the, the God of the Bible as far as being one who was holy and, and, and one that was good and one that was even to send their, his Messiah and, and yet they were not believers. And so here's this man. It tells us a little bit about him. About the ninth hour, verse 3 of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? And so he said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. So God sends an angel specifically to meet with Cornelius. God sends someone, an angel, to say, Cornelius, call him by name. Just like he did with Saul. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? God sends someone specifically to this man and to call him by name and to say, I've heard your prayers and your alms. Seen your alms. And so he says to him, now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon a tanner whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. Go to Joppa, and you're going to find someone named Simon, who is Peter, the disciple. He's there with another man named Simon, who's a tanner. And all of these things are a little bit interesting because typically the Jews would never have been lodging or staying with somebody who was a tanner because these are the guys that were handling dead animals all the time. And yet, Peter has come to a place of his heart softening to an area where he's living with this particular man. He's staying with this man for a period of time. But the angel says, go, go to this man's house. You're going to know it because he's the guy that's a tanner. His name's Simon. And his house is by the ocean. They would have used the salt for the process of... of of working with the leather that's there. And he's going to tell you what you must do. He's going to be the one to minister to you. He's going to be the one to tell you what you need to do at this time. God's heard your prayers. He's seen your alms. He knows these things. And go to this man. He is going to tell you. Could the angel have shared the gospel with him? Absolutely. And yet God chooses to send this man or to have him send some of his people to Joppa to bring Peter back that Peter might minister the gospel to him. It's, it's a part of the great commission of going to the uttermost parts of the world proclaiming the gospel. God uses us to be vessels to bring the greatest news that anybody could ever hear. Missionary activity that takes place where we go to the uttermost parts of the world. We bring the gospel with us, with our words, proclaiming the good news that's found in God's holy word. He will tell you what you must do. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier 
from among those who waited on him continually. And so when he had explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. Clearly, Cornelius is a wealthier man. He has servants. He has these soldiers that serve him. But the angel comes and brings the message, and then he's gone. He accomplished what he was called to do. He appears before him, tells him what he's supposed to do. He's gone. Immediately, Cornelius calls his servants and says, please go. And so the next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, it's about a 10-hour walk, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. There's these little things and passages like this that, that should capture our attention. You see Peter, what is he doing at noon? He's going up on his housetop. What's he doing? He's praying. I mean, that just be part of how we mirror our lives. In the middle of his day, it's just like, I'm, I'm going to take time just to spend with my Lord. I'm going to spend time in prayer. So he's up on his housetop. He's praying. And it tells us that then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners, descending to him and let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him saying, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again a second time. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. This was done three times. And the object was taken up into heaven again. And so we see this taking place where God's reaching Peter now. Peter's up on his rooftop, he's praying, and the heavens open, and he goes into a trance. There's this large sheet that comes down and all kinds of animals that are there on that sheet. It, 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 at least in my mind, I was picturing like a drive-in theater, like this movie taking place as far as him seeing all of these animals that are there. And it was taken up into heaven again. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. Paul in Romans 14, verse 14 and 15 says, I know and I'm convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you're no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. Jesus had said in Matthew 15, 11, not what, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. And this is a radical change than what was taking place for the Jews prior to Christ. God's saying, what God's cleansed, you must not call common. Peter's at a place of, I can't eat that. I can't. I've, I've, I've never eaten anything common or unclean. I can't eat that. And three times, God speaks to him. Well, in verse 17, it says, Now while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. Peter's sitting there just going like, why, God, why, 
Why the sheet coming down? Why these animals, all kinds of animals that are on there? Why tell me that, that, that I'm to go and eat these things? Why, why do this? What are you doing? What are you? And, and so he's just sitting there in the midst of all of it, having seen all of these things. He's just sitting there going, I don't understand it all. I don't know what to think of all these things. He wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant. And at that time, these guys show up at his doorstep. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. So God just speaks directly to him. This is what you're supposed to do. There's three guys that are going to be there. Go down. Go with them. And don't doubt any of these things. Because I've sent them. God's ministering to Peter's heart in just a radical way. He wants the gospel to go forward. And he wants the gospel to go forward even to the Gentiles. And so he does this work in Cornelius. He sends, Cornelius sends the servants over them. God instructs them with all, with, with all the details. Right before they get there, he, he makes Peter go into this trance. He sees the sheet come down. He speaks directly to him. Three guys are coming. Don't doubt any of this. I've sent them. I want you to go. And so things have been laid out very clearly for Peter. So in verse 21, then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, yes, I am he whom you seek. For what reason have you come? And they said, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among the, all the nations of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. And then he invited them in and lodged them. Big deal. For, for Peter to invite these guys in, to eat with them, to lodge them, this does not take place amongst Jewish culture whatsoever. And yet, Peter knows, doubt nothing. God sent them. So he invites them in. On the next day, Peter went away with them. And some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. So he brought, he brought six with him. And the following day they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. So Cornelius is there and he's, just, he's waiting for Peter's arrival. He's waiting for this one in whom the angel said, go get this guy, have him come back. He's waiting, but he's not just waiting alone. He's brought back his friends. He's brought back his relatives. He has this house full of people because he knows that God is going to send someone specifically to him to teach him, to tell him what it is that he needs to hear because God heard his prayer. So, find here that as Peter was coming in, verse 25, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter lifted him up saying, stand up. I myself am also a man. <laughs> you know, in Exodus 20, where God says, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or on that earth that is on earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. We, we, we know that, that 
Cornelius is not to bow down to Peter at all, and Peter knows it. In Revelation 22, you, hear, you see John where he hears what God says, and, and, and he says, when I heard and saw, he says, I fell down before the feet of an angel who showed me these things. And the angel said to him, see that you do not do that, for I am your fellow servant and of your brethren, the, pro- of the prophets, and of those who keep the word of this book. Worship God. Don't worship me. Worship God. And so you see Peter in the same place as far as like, no, dude, get up. I'm just a man. I'm just a man. We are not to have anybody in a place of honoring them in such a way of bowing down before them or any such thing. Um, We know that within the church over these last 2,000 years, much of that kind of stuff has taken place and people have let that occur. People in leadership, people at the top of the hierarchy, being in a place of allowing themselves to be thought much of. Here's Peter saying, like, no, 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 I'm just a man. I'm just a man. Get up. Well, God has assured Peter um, through all of this that what God has called clean, he's not to call common. In verse 30, it says, so Cornelius said, four days ago, I was fasting until, or did I miss? I missed something, didn't I? Um, okay, sorry, I skipped ahead there. In verse 26, it said, but Peter lifted him up saying, stand up. I myself am also a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many who had come together. And then he said to them, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or, or go to one of, of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore, I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. I asked then, for what reason have you sent for me? So Peter gets it. He understood what the vision meant. He understood what, what the, the sheet meant. He understands that, that Peter ought not to call anybody unclean in the sense of any man common or unclean. Um, He was to minister to them. He was to go in and spend time with them. Later on in Acts chapter 15, it tells us that there's a certain man that comes down from Judea and, and he teaches the brethren saying, unless you're circumcised according to the customs of Moses, you cannot be saved. And there's this big argument that takes place between the disciples and and the elders over these things, and you have what's known as the Jerusalem Council that takes place. But they all come together, and, and you know the effect that this had on Peter, because at that point, Peter says, men and brethren, you know that a, a good while ago, God chose among us that by, the mouth, that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as He did to us and made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. He's saying the gospel must go forth to the Gentiles. 
Don't make them be circumcised. The gospel must go forth to them. And so Peter had just said in verse 29, what reason have you sent for me? So Cornelius answers in verse 30, four days ago I was fasting until this hour and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He's lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. When he comes, he will speak to you. And so I sent to you immediately and you have done well to come. Now, therefore, we are all present before God to hear all the things God commanded by you. What, what an awesome picture of God setting everything up for the gospel to go forward. When I pray for mission trips, I pray in advance for the people who are going to hear what is proclaimed. I ask you to join me in that. God, I'm fully confident that when we're there and we're doing an outreach, and there's all these people that are, that, that are there in the, in, in, in the crowd, and we proclaim the gospel, I'm fully confident that on a day like today, God can start working in the heart of a man or a woman or a child, preparing them to hear the gospel when we're there in a few days. God does that kind of stuff. He's doing it here. He's setting the whole thing up so that they would be saved. He's working mightily in their hearts and changing them and changing their affections and changing all these things. And he's going to accomplish it. We see it all being set up. Cornelius was just saying four days ago this happened and this is what God did. And, and, and so now we're all here and we're present before God and we want to hear all the things commanded to you by God. We want to hear what God has to say for us. God told us to go get you by the sea at Simon the Tanner's house. You came. It's a good thing you came. Thank you for coming. Now all of my family and my friends are here and we want to listen. God set it all up. He was preparing all of them to hear this. And so here's the sermon. Here's what what Peter says. The word which, in verse 36, the word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with Him. And we are witnesses of all these things, of all things which He did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed Him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with Him after He arose from the dead. And He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is He who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To Him, all the peoples witness that through His name, whoever believes in Him will receive remission of sins. Peter just gets up and preaches this sermon to him. This is what God did. God gave us the Messiah. His name was Jesus. He healed all kinds of people. He died on the cross. He rose again. We saw Him. We ate with Him. And whoever believes in Him will receive remission of sins. They're all sitting there waiting to hear what this man's going to come and speak to them about. 
This is how you can be saved. God heard your prayer. And this is what He has for you. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. As many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And then Peter answered and said, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And then they asked him to stay a few days. This man in his household, these that are present, those that are present, they all believed. They believed. The Holy Spirit came upon them, just like He has to us. The Holy Spirit removed their sins, gave them the very righteousness of Christ, regenerated their hearts, indwelt them, ministered to them, began that work of sanctifying them and molding them and conforming them into the image of Christ. They had been made new creations. Everything was changed for them just as it is for us. The Holy Spirit's doing this work. And Peter just says, is there any reason why they should not be baptized? Let's baptize them now. Now the apostles, in Acts chapter 11, verse 1, now the apostles and brethren who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision contended with him, saying, you went in to uncircumcised men and ate with them? How could you do that? But Peter explained it to them in order from beginning, from the beginning, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, an object descending like a great sheet, led down from heaven by four corners, and it came to me. And when I observed it intently and considered, I saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And I heard a voice say to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, Not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has at any time entered my mouth. But the voice answered me again from heaven, What God has cleansed, you must not call common. Now this was done three times, and all were drawn up again into heaven. At that very moment, three men stood before the house where I, was, where I was, having been sent to me from Caesarea. Then the Spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen an angel standing in his house who said to him, send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, and he will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us at the beginning. And then I remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If therefore God, therefore God gave them the same gift as he's given us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? And when they heard these things, they became silent and they glorified God saying, then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. This is amazing when you look at how God is going to reach the uttermost parts of the world. How God's going to take down barriers that exist. I can't eat with Gentiles. 
and change him to where there is a love and an affection and an obedience to go to people who are not like him, who have differences than him, that don't look like him, that have not the same upbringing as him, who haven't served the same God as him. And, and now he's coming to a place of let's minister to the Gentiles. Let's have a heart for the Gentiles because God's done this. I mean, he just lays it out here. We see it multiple times as far as this sheet. It came down and these animals were there. I didn't know what to think of it. But then God brought these three guys to my house and God had given Cornelius a, 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 an appearance of an angel before and sent it. And he made all of this happen so that we would know that the gospel is to go forth to the Gentiles and God is going to save them and bring them into the family of God. And such are most of us, right? There's those of Jewish background here, for sure, and praise the Lord as God saved them. But I'm pretty sure I don't have any Jewish background in me. My kids do because Tasha is largely of Jewish background. But there's some of you here who it's not in your blood at all. God has sent people from this time to go to Gentiles and to preach the gospel. And they got saved. And the Holy Spirit came upon them just like he had done to the disciples, just like he had done to the early church, just like he's done to us. And God has done this awesome work of making a people for himself. I think of Genesis chapter 12, where the Lord says to Abram, get out of your country and from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation and I'll bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. And I'll bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all... Genesis 12, and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. All of them. Through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, who comes from them? Christ. Christ dies on the cross, rises again on the third day. The gospel goes forward as far as how we can have remission of sins. And through the seed of that came from Adam all the way down. Messiah coming, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, comes Christ. And through him, all the families, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. The gospel went forward and this man, he and who? His entire household were saved. God's working in a mighty way to bring them to salvation and I pray, I pray that God would do that in us and through us. That we'd have such affections for people who grew up in a much different circumstance than us. They're maybe black or they're Burmese or they've been brought up in a Mormon home or they come from an atheist home or they lived in communist China or they grew up in in Vietnam under communist regime there, or wherever it is that God calls us to go, that we would know that God has called us to go and to proclaim the gospel to people like that so that they might be saved. May we see them like that.
And may we see people here like that as well. Maybe people that are different than us. May they be incredibly welcomed and ministered to by us. There was a wealthy, wealthy man who at age 45 sold his business and he went to work for Service Master. His first assignment was to work for two weeks as a houseman at a large metropolitan hospital. He was to mop corridors, empty trash containers, and clean ashtrays. While not in the best condition for this work, he completed the day's schedule. The shock to him was not in the work, but in the general rejection of him as a person because of his green uniform and the kind of work he was doing. Not a single person responded to him saying, good morning, except others in the housekeeping department. He said, I, never, I had never before experienced the caste system. Even here in America, this guy, incredibly wealthy, says, I'm just going to go work as someone cleaning ashtrays, mopping floors. And he said, the biggest shock to me was that there was a caste system there. No one, I'd say good morning to people. They wouldn't even say good morning back unless they were wearing a green uniform. Whether we're in the green uniform or whether we are the ones that maybe look down upon those in the green uniform, may that not be what takes place amongst the saints here at Reverence Bible Church. May we be those that go and see all people in such a place that whether they're the wealthiest outside of our circumstances or the poorest that some might look down upon or homeless or wearing their Muslim garb or in prison or however their circumstances are, may we see everybody in a place of a need of the gospel and have boldness to proclaim it here and even to the uttermost parts of this world. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you for your word this morning. Oh Lord, we're recipients of what you did through Peter in the early church, giving them boldness not to doubt at all because you were doing the work. Lord, if there's a need for a sheet to come down before us and for us to see these things, may we look upon that and recognize, God, that in our text here this morning, we know that your heart for us is to, to love all people, to go to all people, to minister the gospel to all people. May we never be proud or think more of ourselves, but may we be humble and be at a place of just desiring to serve you and to serve others by bringing them the best news that they could ever hear. That whosoever believes in you could have remission of sins. Sins removed, guilt removed being made new creations in you and being able to spend eternity in the joy of the Lord. Give us that kind of confidence, Lord, that we as your people would just go forward in our neighborhoods and in our workplace and in our schools and on missions trips 
and be excited to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. It is the best news that anybody could ever hear. Give us boldness and may your spirit enable us with all the strength that we need and all the clarity of thought to rightly divide your word and proclaim the good news and not let anything be a barrier for us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.